Okay, so I am super, super excited to introduce to the podcast the monthly co-host because a lot of people who asked about the podcast, who encouraged me to do the podcast, were asking me if I was going to talk about the three-letter word that obsesses in everyone's mind. And she was definitely someone who came to my heart when I decided that I wanted to have a monthly sex episode. She's absolutely amazing. And I know her as one thing, but you will know her as your favorite homegirl. And I want her to introduce herself so that you guys can get to know her a little bit better. But I had to do my introduction because she's absolutely amazing. She's she's definitely a woman who transmutes pain into power in the most beautiful way so without any further ado i want you guys to open your hearts open your minds and welcome your favorite homegirl hello honey hi hey everybody that was such a sweet um, introduction thank you so much um i appreciated that um I've never had somebody introduce me like that, especially with transmuting pain into something beautiful. I never thought about pain that way until today. And I appreciate that. So thank you. You're welcome. And I hope that you will make people think about sex differently after this conversation. But go ahead, introduce yourself. I'm going to shut up. So guys, like she said, I'm your favorite homegirl. I'll go by another name, but today y'all going to get your favorite homegirl. And um, I am a practicing sex doula and Reiki master trainer. And how I came about to this journey was through my own trauma of being um, sexually molested as a kid and growing up very frustrated and confused of what happened because I really didn't understand what happened to me until I got some spiritual help later in my 20s to understand like why I was the way I was, why I communicated the way I was and why I was super reserved and sensitive to certain things and kept things to myself. So I decided to get on this journey to like heal myself and get a better understanding about what happened to me and how to move forward in my adult life. And then I came across wanting to help adults who um, may have experienced it when they were kids and can't make sense of it because you were so young or may have experienced it later in their life where they can make sense of it. And they're still struggling to connect with intimacy and sex and partners and trying to have that gratification that everyone should have before we leave this earth multiple times and trying to create a life where your trauma is not your identity. So that's who I am, your favorite homegirl. And I would love to continue to talk about this more. Hey, I am super excited about this, guys, just to be very transparent. Um, I'm going to just jump in with a few questions so we can get the discussion started. So as you guys see, the title of this episode is Sex and the Spiritual. A lot of times people don't want to talk about sex and spirituality and healing in the same pot. But I am definitely someone who is fascinated in transmutation of anything. Um I've talked to T I've talked to your favorite homegirl about it before. I almost gave away your name. My bad. <laughs> I've talked to your favorite homegirl about it before, but um transmutation is a process of changing one thing into another, like how a coal goes into be a diamond. There's pressure that's applied and there's a diamond made. And the story of Medusa is one of my favorite stories, and I resonate with Medusa on that level. And it's ironic because in the story of Medusa, she was actually raped by Poseidon. And then she was cursed by Athena for being raped by Poseidon. So major transmutation story. The Medusa mindset for me is turning pain into power. So that's why I brought that up on this particular episode. But first, let's get to know your favorite homegirl. So your favorite homegirl, what exactly is spirituality to you? Um, the short answer to spirituality is the opposite of religion. Um, it's where you're not restricted to one form of, um, practice and where you can reach your highest form of soul to source and connect to source on your own terms. That's, that's my definition of spirituality. Um, and that's the one I'm sticking to. 
That's a good definition of a religion and being able to connect the source on your own terms. And religion has these, and I don't want anyone listening who does partake in religion to just feel attacked. But what I learned is religion has a certain set of rules that you must follow in order to reach heaven or, you know, the higher place. But as I mentioned in the first episode, I just believe that that's not how that works. There's no God in the sky. God lives in a consciousness or the source lives in a consciousness within all of us. So that is a part of spirituality. And we'll get deeper into that on other episodes. But I completely agree with your meaning of spirituality. Now, what is the meaning of love for you? Ooh. (laughs) So... I'm going to tell you what I thought love was. And so growing up and what I experienced um, just from my parents, not to throw them out there, but I thought love was pain. I thought it was struggle and I thought it was survival. Um, you, You stick it out, you finish it with someone until you get to the end goal. But what I've grown to understand is love is accepting yourself for who you are and not caring what anybody else thinks and doing everything that makes you happy, regardless of what it is. That's my opinion. Love has different meanings, but that's my opinion. I've never thought of love in those terms. Like I have been kind of reading through a lot of different things lately in my spiritual journey about love. And I've never heard that. I've never heard that particular perspective. Yeah, I just, I had to think of it of something that, it can't really have one meaning. It's it's several meanings. And I think it's kind of defined on by that person. But you know, it is sticking up for yourself, having healthy boundaries um, and making sure you honor your boundaries and having self-care and honoring your self-care. But at the end of the day, you're making sure you're doing something that makes you happy. Like every day you go to sleep, did I do something that made me happy? That fulfilled my happiness, not anybody else. So love is an embodiment for you. Yep. It's something that needs to speak to my soul. And that's kind of how I operate. I operate off of what speaks to my heart. I'm very passionate. I actually got a tattoo that says passion. But I move through passion, which people would say you shouldn't leave with your heart. But I, that's how I operate. I can't. can't No, you should absolutely lead with your heart. Because I feel like spirit gave us that heart for a reason it's supposed to be some sort of compass for us I do believe that yep so that's that's how I feel love is and it can be intense it can be really deep um but I really love the um I think it's the Corinthians first Corinthians scripture love is patient love is kind love never boasts it never fails it's some serious meaning behind that particular scripture it's it really is patient it is calm and never both it's giving yourself grace and whoever you are extending your love to outside of yourself and giving that person grace to to be themselves and that's one thing I had to learn like love is not about survival mode of what our parents grew up on because they were loving just to keep the family afloat and keep themselves afloat and keep the kids going and doing what they thought was best for us but I'm starting to understand that that's not what our ancestors wanted for us. They didn't want us to survive in survival mode this long. They wanted us to really enjoy life on a different level. And I feel like our generation is, is doing that. They're, we're working on getting to a place where love is not defined on survival mode. It's defined on our own terms. And we're able to experience love without experiencing struggle first. Yes, especially Black women. Can I just touch on that? Black women, we've been so conditioned by the violence and the things that have happened to us in our lineage and our bloodlines. We've been so conditioned to expect that good things can only happen with a struggle. And I just don't believe that any longer. I shouldn't struggle through something to be able to have the goodness of that thing. I just don't believe that. And I also... My definition of love is a little different. I actually truly have, I've been reading all about love by Bell Hooks. And that was the book of the week last week anyway. But her definition of love is um, 
investing in someone else's in your own spiritual growth. So love is more of an investment. It's it. I believe it's an embodiment and an investment because if you invest in yourself correctly, then you'll be able to invest in others correctly as well. And a lot of people think, oh, I'm just supposed to love everybody. No, baby, there's boundaries. There's boundaries in everything. <laughs> no, I'm serious. No, you're right. And that's the thing. I wasn't really, I didn't grow up on that. I didn't grow up on boundaries. You know, everything was pretty much put out there. We we talked about everything as a family. We talked about what decision was going to be made. And it was it was for my best interest as a child growing up. But I, what I what I would have appreciated was being was being able to make decisions where I didn't feel like I was being judged or I had to make the decision because that's what would possibly get approved. Um, I feel like I was put under a lot of pressure where it was mainly making decisions or just going with emotions and not really going emotions or to my own tempo because I felt like I probably didn't have the open space to go at my own tempo. And that's that's where people get the um, the misconstrued conception about what love is or boundaries because you think it's you think love is, what you experience between the two of your parents. Right. And so whatever you experience between the two of your parents, that's what you think love is. So if it's your parents fussing and fighting in front of you, that's what you think love is. You know Was that your experience so, with your parents? Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, I'm not trying to throw them out there. No, no, no. <laughs> this is a healing space. Before we go there and anyone that knows um your favorite homegirl comes here and feels attacked. This is a healing space. I I love talking about childhood, certain childhood things because that's essentially where we learn the basis of the rest of our life. I'll put my story out there first, but my parents were high school sweethearts. They were each other's first love, all of that that jazz. So I do believe though my idea of love was still skewed because of that boundaries part that we just talked about. My mom and dad didn't really have boundaries with each other on any level. So it caused a lot of walking over each other's feelings and walking over each other's comfortabilities because they loved each other so intensely. So Exactly. Yeah. That was I, that was the same experience with my parents. It's I would I will put it that way. I would say that it was they really took the we are one mantra like what people say when they're getting married we, we're not we're not two anymore we're one and right. I do not agree with that at all I, I, I do don't either and my um, parents did the same thing because my parents got married at 19 and 20 so yeah it was, I, it was just like my mom was crazy about my dad my dad was crazy about my mom but they never established like boundaries with being themselves so they kind of immersed each other immersed into each other and when they divorced for a long time living with my mom as a single parent she did not know who she was and I could sense that as a child she'd had no no real true understanding of what she really liked outside of my father if that makes sense and that's what I see with my parents it's like I told them I said I wish that you would have spent instead of spending so much time on us I feel like they did too much for us. And I, I'm grateful for that. Um, but I feel like to this day, they still do too much for us. Like their life is built around us or built around them or their business, but not built around them as an individual. Wait, and I your think parents that has are still a lot. married? Yeah. <gasps> I think that has a lot. Mm-hmm. I think that has a lot to do with. Um, I'm, in, I'm appalled. Up, I very rarely meet adults with married parents, first of all. Yeah they're up yeah that's a rare thing but it's still kicking and I I think that it has to do with their upbringing you know I don't know what their upbringing is like because I wasn't alive but I I can see it because my mom her parents are still together after the last 50 plus years girl and um I feel like back then like I said I really don't blame it on them I, I blame it on the society we live in and that it was based off of survival mode it was not based off of finding a spouse 
that connects with who I am as a person because I have now discovered who I am as an individual. I'm not, I'm just figuring out who I am as an individual. And I'm in my late 20s, about to be 30. So I couldn't imagine being married five years ago or as soon as I got out of college. Girl, I don't know who I am. (laughs) Now I know who I am. Like now I know what I like. Now I know what I want to explore. Now I know that I may not even want to be in a monogamous relationship. You know, like I'm starting to understand that how I was raised and what example I was shown is probably not how I want to live my life. And because of how I grew up, I'm having a hard time accepting that I have to be okay with what decision I make with my life moving forward and not seek validation from anybody. I think that's the biggest thing is I kind of grew up seeking validation. I did things to seek validation and I didn't, I wasn't taught how to seek validation within myself until I, until I started doing pageants and I kind of just had to wing it. I had to wing it. And then I started doing, I didn't start seeking validation within myself when I joined until I joined the military. I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this decision without even telling them. I'm going to tell them I, I joined the military after I signed my contract. And that's exactly what I did. Whoa. You know? And that's, and that's, that was, ooh, they was mad boys. <laughs> and but I, I would feel like that was the first time I felt like I could do something without having to go to my brothers to get help or go to my family to help me finish it I felt like sometimes as being the only girl and it wasn't it wasn't done out of the fact that they didn't think I couldn't do it it was just you know I was always being told oh Lord here you slow you know you clumsy let me do it and you have to be careful when you tell little girls that because that goes a long way into telling them that you think that you are slow or that you think that you are loony or maybe you can't do that so let them do it Right. It wasn't until I had to get qualified for weapons, which was the hardest thing for me, that I had to realize I was like, I don't have my older brother here. I got to figure this shit out myself. And I did, you know, and I I was like, damn, I can do this. And then throwing a grenade, I was like, fuck, I can do it. And then I was doing um, the machine gun, taking it apart, putting it back together and then shooting it. I was like, oh, I can do it. I'm like, oh, I don't need my brother to climb this wall or help me climb this wall, this big ass wall, knowing that I'm afraid of heights. Girl, I didn't know what I was thinking, but you when got through I was it though. able to, yeah, when I got through every week, it was 12 weeks, I think, ours ended up being 11 or 12 weeks because they extended us. I got through every week and I mastered it. I got better. I got, I was more confident. I was fitter. I was able to run more. By the time I got out of basic training, I was running a seven minute mile pace, I think. Yikes. And, yeah, yeah, because I was I finished my two mile in fifteen minutes. So by the time we finished basic training, I was I could jump out of a plane literally if I wanted to. By that time, I knew that was the fittest I had ever been in my life. I know I could have ran a five mile in forty five minutes if I wanted to, but it was just like it took me having to like depend on myself, figure out who I was. And not be a brat, you know, not be a person that had all of these cushions or people to go to, to help me and realize that I had to figure that stuff out for myself. And then when I had put myself out there and really got through everything and spoke up for myself, I realized I was like, you know what, I don't need anybody for anything. I can do this shit myself. And while that's a good thing to have it could be for a female it can turn toxic and it can turn into a lot of masculine energy if you don't spend enough time to your feminine energy and that's another thing not being taught how to balance that out you know being taught to be a bit helpless but it's it's what you should be taught is to be balanced and unfortunately like I said the society we live in we're not taught to do any of that we're just taught to survive that's it. Do you feel like the imbalance is revealed for women a little bit differently than men when they when they start becoming sexually active? Um, yeah, because I feel like sex, especially in the South, is very taboo and they put a lot of pressure on the females than they do the males. 
you know, they simply just say, hey, we're going to teach you what sex is. Yeah. Don't get pregnant and don't have sex before you're married. And don't talk about nothing else. Don't talk about the fact that little girls have sexual urges as early as like five. You know, before we get too deep into that, let me ask you a (laughs) real question, because we're talking about the actual physiology of it. But let's talk about Mm -hmm. like the mental and spiritual side of things. So I know sex is primarily used for pleasure nowadays. Back when we were in survival mode, it was used for children, obviously populating our Mm -hmm. communities. But what do you think sex is now? What is sex to you? I think sex, if done with the right person, is a healing mechanism. It's 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 the exchange of spiritual energy and ooh. I'm sorry, I had to let me hit them with another <laughs> ooh real quick. <laughs> Did you say a healing mechanism? Yeah, it could be used as a healing mechanism because it's a release. Right. And you know your endorph your endorphins are being um, you know, expanded when you are having sex with somebody, and it it releases that hormone, that happiness hormone. So mm. it's just like crying. You know, when they say you cry, you're you're helping yourself out. Like you're clearing out your immune system, all of that. It's the same when you're having sex. It, it makes you happy. They, they've done studies to show that sex clears skin. It um, helps people move. And it even helps people like when they're sick, like when they have a cold, like people like, oh, just have sex and it'll clear up your cold. It's really true. Like some of that stuff is true. Wow. And it works. Like done with the right person. And it don't even have to be done with the right person. Just having sex. That's that's just what it is. Okay. So it has so many different mechanisms than what we are told. Like sex is a very primal type of activity, but when done properly and when people are on the same frequency, it's deeper than that. Okay. So to you. I know in the 90s, they marketed, especially in the 70s, 80s, and 90s in R&B, they always mm-hmm. brought up making love, making love. So what is, do you feel like there's a big difference between having sex and making love? And why, where did this difference come from, do you feel like? Um, I think now, yeah, it has a difference. I think the difference came from the fact when we started telling little black kids to stop crying or to stop emoting themselves. So people shut off their emotions and just have sex and don't think anything of it and don't realize how that affects their soul or their spirit, their body or their mind. And it is making love. But now we've been told to just, oh, I just, I'm trying to, niggas out here just trying to see how many bodies they can get. That's a trauma be better response. Than the other that is such a trauma, it is response, a trauma response. It is a trauma response. It is a huge trauma response and it's a problem. Um, it's not a problem when somebody recognizes that they need to calm down and be like, look, I can't keep moving like this. Because what it does, it weighs down the body. And men, I, men get on my nerves. They love to say, ladies, y'all can't do it like us. We can have sex and just not uh Oh, the, key, the key and the lock theory? Yeah. Yeah. After a while, sir, it weighs on your body. You may not notice it, but I can see it myself. Like it weighs on your body. You look tired. You look drained. You look unhealthy. You look like you got a lot of spirits connected to you. And then if you're fucking with somebody that's very spiritual, they're going to feel all of that energy and they're going to tell you about yourself. They're going to be like, look, you need to go into deep cleansing and meditation and you need to go heal somewhere because you got all of these people on you and it's just you being comfortable because you have created some type of some type of comfort out of being like this and honestly believe it or not a lot of it's because some guys have gotten sexually molested too when they were kids I I agree with that and people don't treat it the same way as they do when it's a, a little girl so no yeah a grown woman sucking a six year old's dick is not normal at all and people think that that's normal. Oh, that's making him be a man. No, that's a that's child. That's disgusting. And she's a grown ass woman. That's like disgusting. what the fuck? Yeah, that's a child, and she's a grown ass woman. She knows better. She should be in jail. So, within the spiritual <laughs> community, do you feel like sex is addressed correctly? Do you feel like it's addressed positively or negatively? What do you think about that? I think it's addressed 
positive in a positive way and it can get even deeper when you get to the kinker the kinkier side of things but from layman's term with reiki and sex doula that person is specifically there to help you release blockages and traumas within your chakras but as far as sex doula it's a person there to help you reach the intimacy with yourself and gain that confidence that may have been taken away from sex trauma or other types of trauma. It don't even have to be sex trauma. It can be other other forms of trauma, which is um, basically like emotional trauma, which creates a blockage of you connecting with yourself as a whole intimately. And then you're not able to really satisfy yourself because you have a blockage because you haven't healed for something. So yes, on the spiritual sense, it's teaching people what sex is and what it's for and what it's used for and how it's supposed to be used. And then it also helps people explore those urges um, when they get young. Like, I feel like we leave the young kids out there in the, in the dry. And we have to um, do a bit better job of explaining what happens to children in their bodies. So they're not out here being taken advantage of or they're not out here just driving blind. And then they're not, and they're not understanding what sex is until they just get their cherry pop. You know, well, I got my cherry pop, but I don't know what it means. So that's that's when you create those emotional emotionalist sex people. People out here just having sex and don't have no emotions connected to it because they not tapped into what sex really is. You know, before I had sex, like before before I had sex, I was twenty, and my godmother, bless her heart, she had me do research on it. Like you know, I took the classes in elementary and middle school and even high school, but they didn't even really do much in high school for us. It was like, oh y'all should already know this. But it wasn't until I did research. And you know what she had me research on? She had me research tantric sex. And I was just about to ask you, can you please tell the people what tantric sex is? Yes. So tantric sex is basically a form of sexual yoga where you use, it's, it's like originated from Hindu and Buddhist work. But you know, Hindu and Buddhist has a very strong tie to a lot of the Yoruba, Yoruba religion in Africa. So a lot of that can be tied from our African ancestors, but it's a way you exercise sex from a yoga ritualized standpoint. So it's basically you are experiencing a sexual experience with greater intimacy using the mind. So it's, you're connecting with your partner through breathing, through meditation, um, and learning how to have orgasms, not just from penetration. You can have orgasms just from certain um, simulations. Um, it can just be from your mind and you just being in an intimate state with your partner. Like it's so many different ways and it helps the person connect deeper um, and be more intimate with their self and their partner and be okay with being vulnerable. I think that's the biggest, the biggest thing that people have a hard time. Vulnerability. Um, being. Yeah. Sex is vulnerability, and I feel like if you have not mastered that, you shouldn't be having sex. And and to touch on that, vulnerability is rooted in trust, and trust is is like a feminine energy. So men and women who are who have blockages and it keeps them from understanding and exploring their feminine energy. How is that translated in their sexual activity? Um, it's very barbaric. Um, and you know what's funny? I may have a hard time connecting to my feminine energy like when I'm dating people, but when it comes to sex, I don't. And I can realize I can I cannot have an orgasm just because the person is just not giving me enough emotion, emotional attention. And I can tell when somebody's just not into their feminine energy. And men think feminine energy is somehow making them homophobic. I mean, hom um, um, homosexual. And that's the problem because everybody's supposed to have a balance of feminine and masculine energy. And so when you have sex with a guy, they are immediately masculine. They don't have any feminine emotion to tap in with the female. And they don't understand that females don't, they don't orgasm through penetration. It's literally a mind simulation for females. Right. So I can tell when somebody's not tapped into their into their feminine emotion. I'm like, okay, I'm not into this at all. Like, get away from me. That's crazy because when I was exploring sex for myself um, 
probably like 10 years ago, I started watching gay porn. I know this is going to sound crazy, but it's so like passionate. That shit is crazy. How passionate gay porn is and hearing you talk about the balance. A lot of effeminate gay men have that balance under control because they are effeminate, but they are well aware that they're also a man. So it's interesting to see how passionate sex can be when you do have that balance. Yeah, the porn that people, and that's how people start learning how to have sex is porn. And I think that's the worst idea. And you know, now, like if I was to watch porn now, I couldn't watch the regular porn with the men and the women. It's not giving me what it's supposed to give because people have this misconception about sex where men think they just need to dominate all the time when it comes to a female. They believe that that's that's how they exude their masculinity, which masculine energy is action, but we need some balance. You caress me, honey, kiss me everywhere on my shoulders, everything. Like talk to me nice. Come on, Listen, talk to me. Talk I've to never me been like, I've never been talked through an orgasm, and I hear women talk about it, and I'm like, "What? Talk, what? talk, talk to me about it. Talking to you? He be talking that, you through that, it? That, <sighs> that's gonna that's gonna get yeah. <laughs> talk to me. Talk talk me through this this climax, please. And I think I've only like out of the years that I've been having sex, I think I only had two people talk to me through it and then that leads into another topic I don't know if we're ready for the the BDSM world yet but no that's that's actually gonna uh, be next month's episode which we'll talk about at the end yes I'm so excited so that's where a lot of women they get their they get their sexual fixes from and it actually helps people through their journey um you know some women I, I, you know, if you're experiencing sexual trauma, let me just make this clear. You need to go see a professional so you can work through that. Let me not sit here and say, oh, you need to use the BDSM world. No, we're not going to do that. I don't recommend that being your first seek stop. Seek therapy first. Seek therapy first. Seek therapy first. first. Um, and then maybe go into Reiki. Reiki might help you. And then go into researching tantric sex. That may help you too because it's a different form. Um, it's a different approach for you. And I've read some articles where they do use tantric, tantric sex to help people heal from, um, from emotional trauma or sexual trauma. So tantric so sex like I, is important, basically. If yeah, you want to use yeah, sex for healing, that's important. Yeah, they have like professionals that if people don't want to use the Reiki option, you can use tantric sex. Um, and I have been following, when I was told to research this woman, I have been following this woman for years, probably like six, seven years now. Um, I've just I've stayed up, stayed on top of her, her emails that she was in, her classes that she always had, always has. And she got trained. She had she got trained by some Buddhist, by by some Buddhists. She actually went and got trained, and it's her profession. And um, it's the same with the with the Reiki professionals. Like I said, Reiki is a bit deeper because it helps you with emotional trauma and other trauma. It can be domestic violence, stuff like that, and it helps you just break those blockages. And I think people really need. Um, some spiritual integration in their lives, everybody. Because, you know, everybody doesn't know what you, you go through and everybody doesn't need to know what you go through. Like me saying about my sexual trauma, that was kind of, that was a lot for me because that's something that's very private, but we're talking about this and how this got me to my journey. And I think once you get through those processes, you understand that you're still healing and you'll still have triggers. But if you can find like partners where you can talk about that and y'all are on the same level of maturity to talk about those things and connect, you'll be fine and you'll understand that sex is just 10 times worth it. That is dope. I'm going to shift gears a little bit because you hit on something for me. And because this will be kind of like the before Valentine's episode, I'm going to ask you some romance questions just because... Just because, I'm sorry. So (laughs) I'm very much a person who, man, I've had some trash relationships and I take responsibility for my fault in not seeing those red flags, honey. But I have always been one who prefers partnership over being in a relationship. What is an ideal partnership for you? Man, an ideal partnership for me is someone where I can completely be myself 
and still have my life and they have theirs. And we come together as partners to work through what we decide to work through. Like if we decide to combine finances, if we decide to do a business together, if we decide to support each other on their endeavors, but still having some sort of individuality of myself. Like I still am responsible for my happiness and they're still responsible for their happiness. And they simply just add to my happiness, not take away. So it's really it's a good, healthy, yeah, it's a good, healthy exchange between um, give and take. I'm all about give and take. Um, law of reciprocity is really good for me because when you give, you get back. Right. So are you giving what I'm giving you? And then if you're not, let's have a conversation of where I feel like I'm not getting what I should be getting from you. Wow. And I feel the same. It's it's very interesting because I've never been in partnerships before um, now, but before I was always in relationships and I realized that relationships require one person or the other to carry certain things more than the other person carries. And I feel like partnership is more of an equal split. A lot of people try to think of roles in a relationship instead of just equally finding what's best for you and your partner and carrying that weight. And I just had to ask you that because I know if I was listening to this and I'm like, she's well-versed in sex, what is her love life like? You know what I'm saying? I'm one of those people. So It's interesting because a lot of spiritual people who are spiritual healers, workers in the spiritual community, a lot of them are single. I am single though, but no. Yeah, but I'm, you know, I know, but I'm saying a lot of them are, why do you feel like that is the case when it comes to romantic partnership? Why do you think spiritualists stay single and they're not in committed partnerships? Some are, but you know, you know what I'm saying? Because um, that can be answered in so many different ways, but I'll answer for me. For me, I feel like I'm the person that I just won't settle. And I have a lot of non-negotiables. And some of it has to be like, are they on the same level as me spiritually or are they open to it? Um, And the reason why I say that is, can can I see this person growing with me? Because I put in a lot of fucking work in the last five, six years since I've been in a relationship and I can't see myself being with somebody who really hasn't put in that effort to get to know themselves like have you really put in this effort to get to know yourself and sometimes spiritualists we are told that we're crazy because some of us are psychic some of us are tarot readers some of us can read your hands read your face some of us can look through your life and sometimes we can read the person before they get to us and we'll know straight up intuitively that they are not going to uh, connect with us. So we don't waste our time. So it's really hard for us to find people on the same frequency level. And, you know, men, they operate at a different, um, just a different time of maturity than women. So we either find somebody that's ideal or they have some non-negotiables we're just not willing to give up or it's just not the right time or it's just not the right the right moment or right frequency like that person still has some more growing to go or one of the biggest things I've run into is just people not tapped into their feminine side for me as a man I can't do that like men be like oh I don't cry I'm like what Exactly. When a man tells me he doesn't cry or he doesn't feel like, boy, that's a red flag. Exactly. If you don't feel, then how are you supposed to connect with me is the question. Like, if we have children, how the hell are you going to connect with your child? If you talk about you don't cry, you don't have emotions, then you're not going to have the emotional maturity I need you to have as a father when I can't I can't pick up the I can't pick up the pace because I'm I'm dealing with the other child or I'm dealing with my emotional baggage. You're you're not there to step in, you know. It's yin and yang, you know. Um, and I think, like I said, operating in survivor mode has put us in this state of emotional immaturity. And so I many call it other a things. Stunt. I feel like a lot of it's, people are emotionally stunted. They're stunted at the age that they were hurt the most. And I feel like 
we have to heal in order to be better people. We have to heal to lift up our community, specifically the Black community, because a lot yeah. of a lot of the sex practices and relationship practices that I see in the Black community and what they consider romance is very much so abuse, mm-hmm. very much so abuse. It's giving an air of, I still haven't escaped my colonizers because I'm taking on what they did to me to quote unquote resolve or fix things in this community and black people traditionally we are tribal people like our ancestors were tribal people they weren't around here beating their children like that like hearing people talk about beating kids and just overall abusive ideals and ideals and ideology that the black community embraces is it, some of it is completely sickening to me, honestly. Yeah. Because if we were in, a, if me and you were in a relationship, right? Mm-hmm. And you showed up at your friend's house with welts on your legs. Like most of us have been to school with welts on our legs. If not, good for you. I'm not one of those people. I got asked for things. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so if you showed up at your mother's house or your your parents' house with welts on your leg and they're like, hey, what happened? Oh, I was disrespectful to Essence and she whooped me. They would tell you to leave me. Your brothers would be ready to fight me. Right or wrong, am I lying? You Smoke would be had. But we sit here and we tell people, oh, I had to whoop little Junior's ass. Are you crazy? Did you, you beat your kid? When in relationships, if we accepted the same amount of treatment in relationships we did in our childhood, people would be like, you're crazy. You're in, a, you're in an abusive relationship. But it was normal for a child to grow up like that. And that's it's why insane. a lot of people get away with domestic violence to a certain extent. It's because, oh, he just pushed me. I don't mean nothing. I don't play like that. Like I don't play with people um, playing with me or talking to me violently. And people don't realize violence is not always physical, honey, because most of the things that people struggle with as adults came from things that their parents said, not things that their parents actually did. I was more damaged by the things that were said to me than the actual physical act of getting my ass whooped, even though that hurt me as well. I transmuted that into anger and believing that violence was a way to resolve all my issues. Yep. And I feel like it translates into relationships. I've been into I've been in two physically abusive relationships before. And in the relationship, you would think that I would be like, oh no, this is bad. It's hard to feel that way when the people who supposedly love you unconditionally and love you the most because you are you are essentially a reflection of those two people, your parents. When your parents have abused you verbally, even physically by whooping you, you start to think some level of abuse is required and that's not the truth. Yeah, you think that, again, you think that love is pain. Um, Love is struggle, love is, okay, they still love me even though they beat me. People confuse love and, and, and partnerships and work. There's a difference. You can love someone and and not put in the work with that person to be together as a unit. That's a real thing. People think, oh, I love him. Let's just be in a relationship or a partnership. Absolutely not. (laughs) No, because if you're willing to do the work to be in a partnership, but that person loves you just as equally, but they're not willing to do the work, this is no longer a partnership this is a what I call a modern day relationship and you're always going to be doing more of the emotional work yep women it's been proven women we don't benefit from marriage we don't other than financially or things of that nature men actually live longer when they're married to women women our life expectancy shortens when we marry a man And I know I'm talking about heteronormative relationships, but this can be spread over all relationships. I've been there. I've done that. You know what I'm saying? Yep. There is no benefit for most women marrying. 
is a white patriarchy. It it really white is. Um, thing. That's not, I don't believe in from the sources that I've read, I don't think that's how our um, ancestors operated. I think they were more of a tribal type of aspect and I think they had multiple wives and that's kind of how they did things. I mean, it wasn't off of survival mode. It was, it was off of making sure they um, took care of the tribe or the community. So even if you were married to one person, like some, because some of our ancestors are Native Americans and they did have a wife. Um, it was con- it was chosen by the elders and the elders knew you from birth and they named you after you were born and you kind of earned your name. I so agree. it was a difference. It wasn't a controlling aspect. Like a lot of people try to go into these tribal communities, which I kind of don't agree with. And they try to white integrate their tribes based off of what they see democracy doing and like oh we need to stop this marrying kids at so so age which I kind of agree but that's how they did things they did things based off of the tribe it turned into something toxic when it was based off of survival mode when you started marrying your kids off for money and that is something that the black community participated in for sure like you need to marry yeah. Mr. So-and-so. He got five acres of land and a mule and you at 11. taken care of. Yeah, at 11 and he's 30. Like, yeah. Yeah, that that's when it turned bad. But when it was us being controlled in our tribe, I think the earliest you probably were getting married at is 14, 15, 16. But it turned into something bad when our ancestors had to, to operate out of survivor mode because that's when the colonizers got involved and started messing with people's land, started messing with people's tribes, started messing with people's way of living. And things had to change because your colonizers are here. They're, they're selling us this gold. We need this money. And money started to be something monetized as materialistic and valued more over the tribe or life or love or how we operated as a culture and people got away from their culture and that's the problem and so now you see a big push in our generation and generations to come that's going back to source and we're going back to our ancient way of living and culture to try to integrate that into the life that we have now to make for a better life for the next generation when it comes to mental health when it comes to sex when it comes to what living truly is and when it comes to being sustainable let's talk valentine's day since it's coming up oh yeah girl i've been traumatized by that fake holiday but pagan ass holiday that holiday is we all know it's evil and it gives i feel like valentine's day gives us this weird idolization on waiting until the next actual milestone to celebrate what we have every day for example christmas why are y'all i didn't buy anyone christmas gifts because my friends i literally buy them things year round when my heart tells me Mm. to so i feel like valentine's day is so just oh my god it's just it's wrapped in patriarchy it's wrapped in western idealism but on the flip side of it, I do enjoy seeing all the romance. I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm a ro- I'm, I'm a romantic. I enjoy I'm a romantic. Me yeah. too. And I enjoy seeing <laughs> women being showered in love. That's the thing that I like. I hate to sound like a feminist because I don't associate with that white normative term, but I absolutely mm-hmm. love. Let me be very specific. I love to see black women showered in love because we have yeah. done. We have done and been so many things to so many people in a a punching bag for our own community to see Mm -hmm. us be embraced and wrapped in love, even if it's because of this stupid pagan holiday. I absolutely enjoy it. Support it. I support that. Shower these Black women in love. What is wrong with putting a little effort behind someone that nurtures and takes care of you 365 on one day? We do yeah. it to our mamas. We do it to our daddies. They got mama, mother and father's day. 
I feel like yeah, I'm real. I'm real life going to buy myself roses and probably dress up in pink and red all that time. Honey, <laughs> just because I honestly, I'm, I'm all about romanticizing life this month, and I want to dress up every day, do my face, do my makeup, do my hair every day, yes. and just romanticize life, buy myself little roses, just cause take myself out to eat, just cause do whatever I want, just cause. Yeah, maybe even maybe even throw in a sensual massage just cause. just because like, just cause. Stuff just to, um just because that's what I deserve and that's that's the tone I'm setting for myself because you know they say that the universe responds to frequency so that's the tone I'm setting to attract a partner like that universe that's okay I'm setting for myself before we wrap the discussion portion universe definitely responds to frequency and I just want to speak on that from my own perspective I've never had like a, a solid valentine okay I was always getting broken up with before Me or neither. getting in relationships after which was just stupid so I always used to tell spirit like I just think you want me to be by myself. That can't be it. That can't be it. And I had to realize the frequency I was vibrating about having a romantic partner was the wrong frequency. And that's why I was being sent lesson after lesson in these relationships I was in. Now, my plans for Valentine's Day, I have none, absolutely zero, which is very interesting because I currently do have a partner. So it's like, I don't even know I don't and I don't want to wrap my mind around this pagan holiday and then let it fuck up mm-hmm. what my everyday is because I'm worried about one day out of February you understand what I'm saying <laughs> because yeah. we can do that we can self-sabotage ourselves into worrying about this one day in February and then we're not attending to the everyday work that partnerships do require if that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah. so I don't really have any plans honestly I haven't made any plans and I kind of want to leave it like that because I am a person that if you have no expectations, you can't get disappointed by not having any expectations at all. It's a trauma response. I'm aware. I'm aware. I'm aware. I'm working through it. I'm not perfect, but I can honestly say that just leaving it where it's at and just throwing it up in the air is the best thing to do for me. Because I have a Leo Venus, and if you don't live up to what you're talking about, we're going to have a very, very big problem. Yeah. And me and me and your favorite homegirl were talking about our Venuses on our birth <laughs> charts before we started recording. <laughs> and having a Venus in Leo, people think Leos want shows and shows of attention. A lot of time. I feel like that reveals itself in a different placement, not in the Venus placement, because Venus is all about love and beauty and those things. And for me, in my Venus placement, I just want a love that is so passionate and so strong. I feel it from my toes to the ends of each one of my locks. And that's it. I don't need a whole bunch of roses. I don't need a whole bunch of gifts. I don't need you to scream my name from the from the mountaintop I really don't I think that's kind of weird that people want everybody all up in their romantic business nah Leo's just wants you to reciprocate the same energy they give you and like, that's they the energy I'm coming the with romantic they're exactly the most romantic people you ever meet they're going to pay attention to little things the way you realize I pay attention yep. to the way my favorite colors girl listen birthday listen birthdays are my favorite holiday like, they I don't are care about any other holiday girl I love a good birthday I love someone yes. else's birthday I love showering on on birthdays and I feel like um I don't know I just feel like I just got I have gotten really private with my romantic life because and as you should because some things are, that's that's where the boundaries come into play like yeah like I said because the only reason people know about like my struggles with sexual trauma is because this is the topic. But the most part, I keep it to myself. Like my family don't even know yet, girls. But I don't even know if it's something I want to tell them. I think it's right. something that I need more time to. I mean, if they listen and they hear it, so be it. But I think it, I need more time to process it, and then I don't want to have a conversation about it. I think that's it. I, I want to just leave it at that. It happened, and that's it can't figure it out can't change it I was so young 
didn't even realize what's happening to me, but let, you know, support me on my journey of whatever I'm doing, but let's not talk about it and make it into a big deal. Oh, so sorry. No, that's cool. 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 Thank you. Thank you for your condolences, but let's not make it into a, you know, how people turn it into a sob story. Right. And they don't realize that when you turn something like that, it makes the person feel worse. So don't turn it into a sob story because it makes you feel bad because you're always you're still still triggered by it you know it's not something you want to dwell on or even talk about it happened and just keep a bullshit you and know? it's interesting how we talk about it from the feminine perspective I'm super excited for next week so we can get a male's perspective on it but it's just so beautiful how black women are right now we're in a phase of our universal black feminine consciousness is elevating. And I don't know if you've seen it, I've seen it. Women are not accepting the same things in romance that we used to accept. We're not accepting the bare minimum anymore. No, no, no. No. We need you to come to the table with some healing and some understanding of your feminine within you to be approaching us. And I absolutely love seeing it go on in front of my face because my mom's generation my mom is a baby boomer her generation girl her generation was the last generation where women needed a man to open a bank account so I have to realize that a lot of things that they believe in is based out of survival mode and survival Mm -hmm. mode only yep so I'm I feel so blessed to be a sexually um knowledgeable woman because that was not always the case most women didn't care or understand what pleasured them they always were focused on I need to survive I need to keep my man I need to do this instead of what do I want what do I want and how can I be a partner to my partner of the opposite sex I think one of the biggest things when I talk to people about this feminine and masculine energy and how a woman's supposed to operate in her role and how a man is supposed to operate in her role is the fact that growing up, we never were, we, we were never taught how to get to know the opposite sex. No, or we if weren't. We were that, or, if we, or if we were that child that liked the same sex, how to get to know the same sex and how, and how to have an open space of communication to effectively communicate that emotion and not have to learn it from porn. Ooh. or BET or watching somebody shake their ass thinking that that's how you communicate with the opposite sex right but learning that it's just simply saying hey I like you and mm-hmm. I have these urges and being okay and having that open communication to be able to go to your parents and your parents should have that ability to talk to you if you have a sexual urge or if you have a feeling that you can't explain and not completely ridicule the child not making be called fast that, yeah not them not not having not having them think that, that something is wrong if they like the same sex or if they they have this urge and they don't know how to explain it you having the mental capacity and emotional maturity to be able to help guide your child and a lot of parents don't have that that's why i don't agree with everybody having kids Ooh, because girl, we're gonna you get have to that. have you have to be somewhere on the emotional maturity bar and not continue to operate out of survival mode because that's how you were raised. I'm tired of people saying that foolishness because some of it needs to change. And we have to garner a better environment for our kids where they're not seeking validation on social media, celebrities, which is all an act, government, which is all an act, and other entities outside of the household to figure out who they are and what they like and what they don't like. And with that, that being said, let's move into this or that. So we're going to do a this or that with you. It's going to be involving romance and sex. So just tell me which one you would choose because, you know, everybody has different ideals. Okay, the first this or that. So a date at an upscale restaurant or a candlelight dinner at home? 
Leo a candle is loving that upscale restaurant. I know it. I yep, know it. that's exactly what I was about to say because I get to dress up and take pictures. Oh my god! But um, it would have to be the Virgo in me to say the candlelit dinner because you know Virgos are like one of the most sexually signs on the zodiac chart so just a a word to the listeners me and uh, your favorite homegirl we actually have the same rising sign which is virgo (laughs) (laughs) so watch your mouth your favorite homegirl don't tell people don't don't watch your mouth hey your mouth what rick smiley say hey your mouth because what are you talking about you you're telling too much information at this point Relax. It would be the it would be the candlelit dinner. If any if somebody wants to get my vagina wet, it would be the candlelit dinner. Okay. Because it shows to me that you like put in fucking effort. Like you actually like took the time to set this up. You planned it. Come on. That's some shit I would do. So, that is and I've been thinking about that. Hopefully, you know, damn. I gotta watch it because I gotta watch it. Anyway, <laughs> Flowers or edible arrangement? I'm a badass. Edible arrangement. <laughs> PDA or no PDA? Oh. Hmm. If PDA is done the right way, if it's not forced, if it's done and it's nice and subtle, and it's a kiss on it like the head cheek or something like that, or a nice peck, I can do PDA because it's, it's a it's a it's not over it's not over the top okay. I like reserved PV, PDA too like if we're in a social yeah. setting or a public setting come kiss me on my forehead let these motherfuckers know I'm yours and move on with your day go back, go about what you were doing yeah. before we're not we're, about to tongue each other oh down no I'm not tugging I'm not tonguing anyone down in public that's just too much but give me a kiss on my unless forehead unless we're at a sex club unless we're at a sex okay. club we're gonna get into sex clubs see your favorite homegirl is jumping the gun that's why i told you guys she's gonna be a monthly co-host like once a month you're gonna hear her voice she is jumping guns y'all sorry guys my bad okay sex magic or tantric sex tantric sex I don't really fuck with magic like that. Ooh. Magic like that. Magic, you, you pay a price when you mess with magic. I agree. It's always attacked. It's attacking on the soul. You gotta be careful with that. Okay. Kink or no kink? Definitely kink. <laughs> because no no kink gets boring. So you gotta start, like, after a while, y'all gotta start doing different shit. You gotta try different positions. You gotta start incorporating toys. Maybe another person. Like, come on. You gotta, you gotta get into and that's yeah. funny that you said that because my next question was going to be toy or no toy. Um, I think I have graduated to toys. I think it wasn't really something that was on my radar. But now that I'm older, I'm like, I I'm in all of that stuff because I think that there's more to just having regular sex person. I think that it should be expounded upon and it can be something that can really I'm like an explorer I'm an experimentalist at heart so I'm always trying to experiment with things that make me feel good or something that speaks to my heart or my soul so definitely okay last one a romantic vacation to a beach location or a romantic vacation to somewhere in nature where you're isolated Ooh. It will be nature. Who that Virgo rising just comes right up out of you so quick because you know your Leo wants to go to the beach and be on that balcony at that on that beach. You know it. Yeah. Yep. But, but it's it's gonna be me in an actual adult made treehouse that puts it over the top. Oh yeah, these tree houses are getting getting real sophisticated okay man listen and then having like somebody bring y'all food and stuff mm-hmm. and you can just be butt ass you can be butt ass naked too i mean you can be butt ass naked on the beach you know, always on a new beach but it's something about cause the reason why i wouldn't choose beach is because you can go to the beach in america but why i choose like the nature thing like you can go to nature in america too but why i choose nature because it's just not so standard it's, it's a different type of a different type of experience and I actually haven't experienced that before so 
Okay. So now that you guys have gotten to know your favorite homegirl, definitely um, I'm going to have her give all of her information, her social media, <laughs> not her social security, no, her social media so that you guys can follow her, get to know her a little bit more as we take this journey on this podcast. Go ahead and give them your rapping statements, girl. Go ahead and let them know what's up. So guys, I'm your favorite homegirl. Well, you're about to know my real name now because I'm about to be one of my social. But um, my um, my Instagram is underscore I am Tierra. Tierra is spelled T-I-E-R-A. And the underscore after that is private, so I don't know if you friend me. Um, I like to go by your favorite homegirl because I definitely had my Instagram name changed to that for a very long time. And I think that's going to be my name I go by when I start doing more work in sex doula and Reiki training. So yeah, follow me on Instagram, y'all. That's really what I'm on. Not on Facebook or Twitter. I post a lot of inspirational quotes. I'm um, a regular at the gym and I'm starting to become a regular at pole dancing classes. I used to dance back in the day. So yeah. Follow me and you'll start to see more as I continue this journey too, guys. Like, this is also a journey for me. So I hope you guys learn something. And I hope whatever I said can help you along your journey or something that I said that can help you start your journey. So. book of the week this week is communion the female search for love by bell hooks it is the second book in a three-part book series that she created to discover the intricacies of love the first book was all about love which was our book of the week last week and this week it's communion you guys leave comments and let me know how you feel about these books the next episode of the real hill podcast we'll be having a sit down with holistic kev a medicine man healing coach and alchemist and he'll be talking about a man's perspective when it comes to spirituality when it comes to love when it comes to healing when it comes to anything that you can think of we're going to get a man's perspective on it and i cannot wait to share this with you guys Don't forget, if you're listening up to this point, make sure you leave us five stars and also go on to my website for any new updates that we may be having with the podcast. Peace and love, guys.